G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Evangelism is best served when it comes out of your own interest, your own words, your own experiences. You try to fake, it's just not going to work. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, we'll be challenged about how well we engage in spiritual conversations with unbelievers in our lives. How well do we share the why behind how we live differently? And he says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Well, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, 15. I was reading a story this past week while you turned to 1 Peter 3, 15. Uh, a guy, a pastor gets on a plane. He's in jeans and a t-shirt and a business guy comes by and sits down right beside him. Uh, this guy is in the figure salon business, okay? And he's very proud of his job, talks about how his organization is national. And then, of course, inevitably, he's going to say to the pastor what we pastors know that sooner or later we're going to hear the question, what do you do? And you got to get creative in how you answer this so you don't scare people away immediately. But this pastor writes that as soon as that question was asked, he said, the spirit began to brood over the face of the deep. Order and power emerged from chaos. A voice and a whisper reminded me, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So he began to speak and he looked at the guy and he said, you know, it's interesting. We are in similar businesses. You're in the body changing business and I'm in the personality changing business. We actually apply basic theocratic principles to accomplish indigenous personality modification. Now, I've never heard my job described that way, but I thought it was interesting. He says the guy was hooked, but he didn't want to admit it. Pride is a powerful thing. He said, oh, well, do you guys have an office in the city? And the pastor said, oh yeah, we got offices up and down the state. In fact, we're national. We have at least one office in every state of the union, including Alaska and Hawaii. Now, this guy gets puzzled. He's thinking, my goodness, who, what is this huge company? Maybe I've seen them in the Wall Street Journal. And he keeps going on, does the pastor. He says, we've gone international. As a matter of fact, management has a plan to put at least one office in every country in the world by the end of the business era. And then there's a pause. Do you have that in your business? He said, well, no, not yet. But you mentioned management. How does all that work? He said, well, it's a family concern. There's a father and a son. <laughs> and they run everything. The guy says, that must take a lot of capital. He says, you mean money? The pastor said, yeah, I suppose it does, but no one knows just how much because we never worry because there's never a shortage. The boss always seems to have enough. He's a very creative kind of guy. And the money is, well, just there. In fact, those of us who work for this organization have a saying about our boss. We say he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. To which the guy responded, he's into ranching too? No, it's just a saying we use to indicate his wealth. So this friend sat contemplating all this and finally he said, yeah, but what about the employees? I bet they're not treated very well, are they? Oh, no, no, our employees are treated extremely well. There is a spirit that pervades the organization. 
And it works like this. The father and the son love each other so much that that love just filters down through the organization so that we find ourselves loving one another too. He says, as a matter of fact, I know this sounds old-fashioned in a world like ours, but I have people in our organization that are willing to die for me. Can you say that about your organization? This businessman who's very proud of what he does says, changes the subject very quickly. He says, yeah, but what, do you have good benefits? Pastor says, well, they're substantial. I have complete life insurance. <laughs> and I have complete fire insurance, all the basics. You might not believe this, but I actually have holdings in a mansion that's being built for me right now for my retirement. <laughs> do you have that in your business? And the guy says, no. And the light finally dawns and Pastor Jeffrey Cotter writes that there was a significant spiritual conversation that took place all after that, all because of his creativity. The other guy found it quite humorous. Now, let me, let me tell you what Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, 16. He says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. That is, decide once and for all, he's the master of your life. You're going to live his life, your life for his purposes. That's a given. And he says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Now, here's the deal. Not everyone's going to give as clever an answer as the pastor gives, but that's okay. Because evangelism is best served when it comes out of your own interest, your own words, your own experiences. You try to fake it or give it somebody else's experience, it's just not going to work. And we've been talking about the reason we're so interested in this is that evangelism is a tall order. And I know that and God knows that. And hear my heart on this. I'm not trying to say that it's easy. It's like contentment. It's a learned thing. But we're passionate about learning. And when somebody talks about it, we're passionate about it because we realize that if we're really children of God, we'll have the heart of our Father. And the heart of the Father is for those who are far from Him. So His heart becomes our heart, and we have this overwhelming passion to want to learn to do this effectively. Now, I say that because this is like a classroom this morning, and I'm going to be watching very closely your body language because it will tell me if you're really interested in learning this or not because we've got to answer the question once we know that Jesus walked across the universe so that he might stretch out his hands to people who were making an absolute mess out of their lives so that we in turn would walk across the room, the gymnasium, the office complex, the neighborhood, the community, and that we might be able to help people be transformed out of darkness into light. Once we agree that that's what we're about, we are walk across the room type people, then we got another question and it's hard. Once we walk across the room, what do we say? This is gonna be a very practical message. I've done a Dane Johnson on you again. I've got an acrostic. He loves them, I hate them, but I realize they're effective. And I want you to have a look at this. <laughs> I know. My husband loves that show. <laughs> or what's that one on the his, no the Discovery Channel? The one, uh, the fishing one? Oh, oh I know. This is, it's, um, oh, oh, deadliest, deadliest catch. <laughs> <laughs> what well, had to be deadliest something, right? Right. Deadliest or explosion yeah. or football yeah, yeah, or yeah. golf. Oh, now, now wait. We do have a standing date night every Thursday to watch The Office. Oh, your idea or his? His, of course. It's actually really sweet. I mean, he sends me these reminder texts during the day. Don't forget about our date. Date? It's nice that those moments, they're just so few and far between. I know. Mike and I have been able to connect through a quiet time together. Oh, really? 
well, we've never tried that. Well, what's that like? What do you do? What's... Well, we started before the kids came along. Every night we would just go to coffee or hang out at home just to talk and connect. I would share my heart and he would share his. We would pray together and read together. This is the same Mike that used to go to baseball games and rip open his shirt and instead go Dodgers painted all over his chest. Okay, where do I sign up? What's your secret? It's not really my secret. It's not really a secret. I didn't do anything. Do you remember that first year when Mike and I had all those problems? We were at the end. We thought we had tried everything. So we thought, what haven't we tried? That next Sunday, we ended up in church. I don't know if it was the free coffee or the fact that the preacher that week reminded Mike of his old football coach. (laughs) But everything changed. Wow. He's not perfect. We're not perfect. Of course not. Does he keep his shirt on in public? (laughs) Yeah. I'll take it. All right. Great example right there of the first point. The acrostic is I did. This is the I. Fill it in. Initiate the conversation towards spiritual things. Initiate the conversation towards spiritual things. Now I'm watching you. I'm looking at the looks on your faces. I know this is going to feel like a little bit of a classroom setting, but you need to know this and you need to get good at this if you're going to be good at walking across the room. And let me tell you something, folks. One of the best times to interject in the lives of people is when they're experiencing some difficulty. You know that. When I've been on those stages of debates and people ask me why I believe that God still allows pain and suffering in the world, there's a lot of apologetics to answer that question. But another answer to that is it's just downright too advantageous for God because never does God have your attention more than when you're in the middle of a difficulty. It is what it is. We're hard-headed and God knows that. And so in the middle of a relationship that has been built and then someone has an experience or something that they're trying to work on, something that's just bothering them, some kind of trial, then they're able, if they have a friend who's a Christian, to ask that first question, and then the believer can gear the conversation towards spiritual things simply by quoting a Bible verse or talking about the difference God has made in your life or their lives. So number one, the thing that you're trying to do right from the beginning is try somehow to turn the conversation, to look for opportunities to steer the conversation towards spiritual topics. You're turning it towards spiritual things. But notice, warning, be careful. Because Peter says that you, as you're ready and prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you, as you answer, do so with great gentleness and great respect. Be careful. Don't Bible bash them. Don't beat them over the head with your faith or your church. Simply give a soft answer at the right time to say the right words that might intrigue them to ask more questions. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We're being challenged today to think about how well we engage in spiritual conversations. Pastor Jeff is giving us some tips, some particular topics to use when turning conversations towards spiritual things. Let's continue. But I want to deal with four of them, the four most important ones. And the uh, the first one is actually number two. Discuss popular movies that have spiritual undertones. This is a great thing. Today's movie world has, well, almost every movie is about aliens or the afterlife or some form of spirituality. And if you look for those undertones, and then you can spark a conversation by asking the person if they've seen the movie, and then talk about the movie, 
And the key is that you resist making statements because when you make statements, it puts the other person on the defense. You get really good at simply asking questions. For instance, let me go way back in time here because some of you are, a lot of you are my age. Do you remember that classic movie, Ghost? Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore? That was an intriguing movie. Do you know how many spiritual conversations I had as a result of that movie? Because I'd say, hey man, did you see Ghost? Yeah, I loved it. Did you see Swayze and Demi Moore? Oh yeah, she's hot. I mean, all that stuff, okay? And then inevitably I would say this. I'd say, but what'd you think about that, that scene where the little black creatures came out and took the bad guy to a bad place and then Swayze sees this light and he goes up to a good place and then I would inevitably ask the next question. Do you really think that happens when you die? And then just sit back and wait for the answer. Because no matter what they say, I can ask another question and another question. When you resist making statements and just ask questions, you allow the other person to open up within their own assumptions. And the more statements they make, the more questions you can ask. So talk about popular movies. Number two, which is number four in your bulletin, you can talk about the weekend message. That's quite all right. Here at Christ Church of the Valley, we attempt to be very good at being very relevant. We don't avoid the hard topics and we don't avoid those things the community is presently facing. So it's okay to start a conversation by saying, this past week, my pastor said, or this past week, my pastor asked, and that will open the door to ask or answer more questions. In other words, if you want to say, it's okay with me if you say, you know what, we have a pastor that is really tall and good looking, and he's, did you hear, somebody went, did you hear that over here? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. You can say that he's 45, but he looks 30. He's a fine specimen of humanity. If you want to say any of those, those are all fine. But what I really, I watch it over there. What I really want you to say though, is think about the stories that I tell. And you know, we talked about how tough the economy is. And I told you the story about playing Monopoly with my grandmother. That's a great story to tell somebody else because it has humor in it. And then it opens the door for them to be able to ask you questions like, well, tell me more about your church. Tell me more about your faith. You see, they're just conversational starters. They're not bashing anybody over the head. Here's another one, point eight in your bulletin. Volunteer to pray for major and minor concerns. It's huge. Huge. In my opinion, this is the most effective thing you can do as an evangelist because it's not hard and it's not offensive. Carry a little notebook around in your pocket. And when you engage in conversation with someone new, or even when you're having lunch with them regularly, like we talked about at your invitation, pull out the notebook and tell them, Hey, you know what? One of my hobbies, one of the things I really enjoy doing is praying. Do you have anything in your life that I can pray about? I'm telling you 99.9%. They're not going to be offended. They're going to give you something that also serves as a conversation starter next time around, because then you can say, Hey, uh, Bob, I noticed last time you had me pray for this. Well, how's that going? And more conversation and more questions and more conversation. I had a guy in Australia, a church planter that went to a very difficult community called caves beach, and he didn't know how to start. So he simply went down to every business owner, downtown caves beach, walked in, introduced himself as a new pastor and said, look, I'm the new pastor in town. I'd like to pray for your business or any other things that you know, I can pray about. And he had his little list there. Nobody, even in a skeptic city or town like caves beach, no one turned him away. Everybody gave him something because everybody wants to be prayed for just in case there's somebody listening in case there's a loophole. And then it makes conversation for the next time. Number nine, always share your personal struggles. 
Let me say it again. C.S. Lewis says that God shouts to us what? In our pain. He whispers to us in our pleasure, shouts to us in our pain. And if you've built relationship with somebody that is far from God, I promise you the time will come when they will trust you enough to tell you what is hurting them deeply and you will have the opportunity to interject the power of the word of God into their lives and it can bring life transformation. Have a look at this. This table by the window okay? Yeah, anywhere's fine by me. And uh, next time, the round's on me, because next time, we're getting the brewskis, my man. <laughs> All right, bro. So what's on your mind, Marco? Well, uh, we've been playing golf together for uh, how long? A uh, couple years? Yeah, I guess, give or take. Wait, is this the anniversary of our first golf game together? <laughs> I swear I didn't forget our anniversary, honey. I swear I didn't. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Don't make me really call your wife and tell her you've been playing golf all day instead of going working in overtime. Now, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there, big guy. <laughs> all right, all right. Look, um, all joking aside, you said something today about your son. Fourth green, is everything okay? Yeah, I did. I, uh... Jerry, I consider you a good friend, so if this is uncomfortable for you, then we don't... No, no, it's good to get this off my chest. Uh, my kid, he's just a different sort of kid, you know? I mean, when I was his age, I didn't dress all in black and listen to that hardcore music and this haircut he's got. I mean, ugh, you should see the kid. <laughs> I know, with two of my own. Whoa. But he's just such a good kid. He's always been a really good kid, and... Well, I try to tell him what to do, and I try to guide him, but he just won't do a dang thing. I know, brother. You guide them, you pray for them. Pray for them, yell at them, whatever will work. Jerry, you said he was a good kid. So what are you worried about? Well, what if he's turning into something else? I mean, what if he's turning into someone else? I mean, kids do change. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Who said that? Uh, oh, that was something uh, they said at church last week. But you know what? There's a lot of truth to that. I mean, it may sound a little cheesy, but you do your best. Oh, and let God do the rest? <laughs> <laughs> you heard that one, huh? Yeah, I saw it on one of those Christian t-shirts somewhere. Ooh, bright green? Yeah, I think. Oh, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great example right there of what you can do when you've established friendship with somebody and they come to a point in their life, and usually it's about parenting, about relationships, about finances. We're all dealing with the same stuff, but Jesus has a unique answer to all those issues. But you have to earn the right to speak that into somebody's life, and you do that by earning or by investing in relationship. That's why I told you last week that evangelism serves cold turkey is most often not gonna work. It comes in relationship. But no matter how early you are in the relationship, you can still work hard to initiate the conversation towards spiritual concepts or ideas. Now, here's the second thing quickly. Then you've got to discern the other person's level of interest. Now, please hear me on this. I know some of you mean well. Please listen. It's called the law of supply and demand. If there's a high demand for information, then let the supply be high. If there's a low demand, back off. You'll do more damage than good. Oh, boy. There's a guy at the cat. Let me get this off my chest, all right? Here's the deal. 
There's a guy at the cafe that's killing me. And you know, I don't, I don't, look, I'm stumped. I don't know how to talk to him because he's a Christian and he comes and he sits in the corner and he talks very loud about his faith in Christ and he dishes out tons of information. The only problem is nobody's asking. I'm serious. Sometimes there won't even be anybody beside him and he'll just start talking really loud. Jesus said, and he's really good about philosophy and numerology and eschatology. He can rattle it off and he's probably well read in the scripture. But I want to walk over to him and say, brother, who are you talking to? And are you a Christian? And he would say, yeah. And I'd say, maybe you need to be a closet Christian. Maybe you need to just kind of stay in there because you're working hard, but you're killing us. He's given a great supply, but there's no demand. You got that? As a matter of fact, the word translated fear or, or rather uh, respect in that text in 1 Peter is the word phobos, which comes from a, a, a word that means to be ready to take flight. In other words, you come in quietly, you land softly, but when danger approaches, you're always ready to fly. In other words, come in, start the conversation, but man, if you get a great resistance, back off. Don't get defensive and don't get angry, back away. Good example, let me give you two. Of Hyde, man, my friend Andrew Gardner that I talked to you about last week, you know, when he crossed over was when he was having trouble in his relationship, in his marriage, and he'd searched everywhere and found no hope. That was a, a, a time of high demand in his life where he would listen to what others would say about how Jesus can revolutionize the way you look at your marriage or relationships or the way you raise your children. That's high demand, so you give it. So I took him by the hand, not literally, but I guided him to where he could find help in our church. Same thing is true at CCV. We got hundreds of ministries that just about meet every need possible. If there's somebody you meet that has that need, you find out where they can have that need met and you take them by the arm and you lead them, thus expressing your care and concern. However, sometimes there's a low demand. Another basketball player in New Zealand, his name was Doug. I invited him to church. He came one weekend. I saw him the next Monday night in practice. I asked him, what'd you think? And he said, oh, those are just a bunch of fake people, a bunch of weak people who need a crutch to make it through life. They're not real, none of them. Now that's what I would call low demand. <laughs> okay, low demand. So low supply. I just laughed it off, didn't give up on him, still befriended him, still kept inviting him over. And over time, he also dropped his guard when he saw that I was interested in a relationship, even if he wasn't a Christian. And I invited him back to the house and he came back to church and ultimately was converted. So it just takes time. But where there is low demand, low supply. Now, once you do that, let's get into the good stuff. Once you initiate the conversation towards spiritual ideas or concepts and you discern the person's level of interest, here's what's going to happen. Over time, you're going to meet people who have a high level of interest. Thank you for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. We'll continue from Pastor Jeff's last point next time on the program as we continue to hear some tips on how to engage in spiritual conversations. When the door is open, you're going to be a little nervous. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself this question. Do I love this person enough to tell them the best thing I know? Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.